0: Welcome back to Talkin' Troy. I'm your host, Adam Jasper, sports editor at the Daily Trojan, and I'm flying solo today for episode three uh, as we preview uh, USC's upcoming game against Oregon State, obviously in the football matchup that's going to be happening this Saturday at 730. And the first thing that's um, probably the most breaking news that we're talking about today is the quarterback duel, which was ended yesterday when it was reported that freshman Jackson Dart had a meniscus injury that forced him to go into surgery, uh, meaning that he will be out for um, what they deemed was an extended period of time. We're not certain what that time may be yet. Um, regardless, it's going to be Keaton Slovis, who suffered a neck injury uh, against Washington State last week that allowed Dart to come in. And, of course, we all know how what kind of game he had there with four touchdowns. Um, Slovis is going to assume the starting position again, and... It's just going to be a matter of whether they can recreate uh, USC that uh, aggressive play calling that allowed Dart to be so effective downfield. We saw in the first two games against San Jose State and Stanford, uh, Slovis was just looking a little tentative and hitting a lot of the short routes. And that may have been on him, but that also may have been the play calling. Uh, And Graham Harrell's error raid has obviously uh, taken a lot of criticism as of late, uh, specifically with that. But it looked to be really effective against uh, Washington State last week with Dart at the helm. So we will see what it's going to be like uh, with Slovis back against Oregon State. And that kind of leads me into my second talking point, which is going to be about USC's run game. Because if Slovis doesn't have a uh, consistent run game to rely on throughout this game, it's going to be interesting to see how he can operate the offense because Dart was able to do so against Washington State with virtually a non-existent run game for the most part. Malapai and Count Ingram were not able to find the running lanes and the offensive line wasn't getting blocks and it was looking pretty grim. Obviously that uh, 45-point unanswered run was mostly due to the passing attack. And I think it's going to be interesting to see in this next one whether uh, Malapai or Ingram will find some sort of success um, and I think it does really start with the offensive line. Um, you could see just as a unit, it's it's been inconsistent to start. The pass protection's been pretty solid to be fair, um, but when they're trying to make blocks for runs, you can just tell it's getting a little um, uninventive, really, um, with the play calls, the runs up the middle, um, and the offensive line isn't able to hold its own weight so far. We're gonna see if that can change against Oregon State. Um and see if Malapai or Ingram can find some sort of one two punch that they've been working this year. It's been Malapai kind of as the, um, one A and Ingram as the one B. Uh, regardless, we're gonna hopefully see an improved run game from USC um, in order to give Slovis something to rely on as he heads back in from his uh, neck injury. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about is transitioning to what Oregon State's going to bring to the table. Um, they sit on a 2-1 record after an opening season loss to Purdue on the road, and then they got a win against Hawaii and another against Idaho. The Idaho win was a 42 nothing shutout in their Week 3, so that was an impressive win on their part. Um and the Hawaii win, a little less so, 45-27. Uh, to 27. Obviously still kind of a blowout win there, but giving up 27 to Hawaii's is uh, not exactly the best sign, but obviously that shutout against Idaho definitely speaks to their defensive levels. And then on the offensive side of the ball, they've got quarterback Chance Nolan, who has five touchdowns, no interceptions uh, to start the year. He's been pretty effective. They actually tried out some other options in the Idaho game as well, but um, it looks like Nolan's going to be... Um, securing the starting spot to take on USC. And then on the ground, I think, is where they get most dangerous. It's redshirt junior B.J. Baylor um, from Texas. He's got seven touchdowns so far in three games this year, Uh, 264 total net net rushing yards. Um, He's going to be dangerous, and we're going to have to see how much that tests the USC front seven, which has had its moments this year, certainly with the uh, San Jose State game, just stifling on the ground, um, and they gave up an 87-yard touchdown run. Uh, Austin Jones in the Stanford game, so that was a little bit back and forth, so we're going to see if they can achieve some consistency um, because for the most part in the Washington State game as well, they were pretty dominant, so it's been a little bit back and forth, um, but B.J. Baylor should definitely pose a sort of threat there. And then just last but not least, um, Dante Williams, the interim head coach, is going to be coaching in his first home game at the Coliseum, um, obviously assuming the head coach position for the first time at home. That's going to be an exciting moment for him, and in a night game, it's going to be um, still another big game to build that momentum for this USC team. It's still got a lot of big games to go, um, still on the table, Notre Dame, UCLA, And for the most part, their destiny is still in their hands. Even with that loss to Stanford, Pac-12 South is still wide open. Um, And another momentum-building game, and you definitely saw some momentum form in the second half of that Washington State game. Uh, First half looked a little rough, but uh, the Trojans settled into their own, and it's going to be a question of whether they can do the same thing against Oregon State on Saturday. So with that, I'll leave it be. Uh, Make sure to follow us um, on our socials. Our Twitter is DT underscore sports. Obviously, keep up to date with our coverage. And thank you for listening.